welcome to episode two of the 18th Shadow Radio. This is your author and narrator, John Lee Grafton. The 18th Shadow, Phase 1, Dawn of the Courtesan, Chapter 1.2, Only Coyotes Know. Salina, Kansas, November 2086, four years, one month after event. The thin man sat against the trunk of the great leafless tree. A tattered straw cowboy hat covered his face. Two Rottweilers lay in the yellowed grass to either side of him, each black as coal. All three figures were still. After a few seconds, the man raised the brim of his hat. The blue bionic vid orb that had replaced his left eye glowed, scrutinizing the valley below. He quickly scanned the green holotechs being projected before his field of vision. The Community Narcotics Enforcement Division agents were two kilometers out, stepping loud and careless between the furrowed rows of dead winter hemp as if they owned the very sky. Each hunter was equipped with a holoflage suit and a Mantis 8 series particle rifle. Birds and lies hide behind dying eyes, gentlemen, the thin man said quietly. His expression was devoid of emotion. High above, a carbon dioxide scrubbing blimp emerged through a break in the clouds, 300 meters long from nose to tail. The high atmosphere dirigible's enormous ionizing engines trailed below it like black nipples dangling off the tips of its belly tentacles. Both Rottweilers looked up at the same time the man did. All three followed the scrubber's progress with their eyes until it faded again behind the clouds. Spinning wind turbines dotted the horizon. A flock of distant starlings roiled and swirled over the plantations below. A drone flew down the hover road precisely on schedule. His HUD alerted him via text readout that a subspace airliner would break the sound barrier above their location in 16 minutes. The man noted these variables and yawned. He folded his cowboy boots beneath him, stood stretching willowy arms overhead, he was a tenth of a meter short of two tall. The hemp blue jeans he favored and a white t-shirt hugged his lean frame. He had added a flannel to his normal attire due to the November chill. When he stood, the smaller of the two Rottweilers sat up with him. The animal had its mouth partially open, oriented towards the man. A red glow, difficult to see in daylight, emanated from its jaws. The man scratched his three-day-old whiskers, the flat afternoon light highlighting new strands of gray that had asserted themselves since his early days in the industry. The gray had even scattered to his thick, brown sideburns. The man took a tin box the size of a deck of cards from his pocket and sat back down, once more resting against the trunk of the shingle oak. He extracted a hand-rolled antique tobacco cigarette from the box, stuck it between his lips, and nodded at the larger Rottweiler. Lap me up! The big dog rolled playfully onto its back and narrowed its jaws, focusing. A slender line of red laser light ignited the cigarette's tip. The man took a drag and exhaled, watching the wisps of smoke curve up from the burning end with pleasure, as though he were observing a ballerina dancing upon the wind. Behind them, a blonde woman came into view, walking slowly towards them up a gravel path. She was dressed in work-worn overalls, a hemp-yarn sweater she had knitted the Christmas before and faded red Chuck Taylors. She was not tall nor beautiful in the standard sense, but was nonetheless captivating. Her eyes were vivid blue, and her body maintained a strong posture as she approached. 
She had high cheekbones and the soft, pale skin of a porcelain doll. When the woman got close, the larger Rottweiler whimpered dramatically and threw herself to the ground at her feet, rolling over to solicit a belly rub. The blonde woman knelt and smiled, scratching the animal's fur with long, generous strokes. She warmed a hand at the edge of the creature's mouth and stood, one hand massaging the ache in her lower back. Her tone was placid yet firm. Gunshine fat girl had dug in, dark. Hugo's got the deer tied up and ready, poor animal's terrified. Understandable, said the man. You shouldn't let the girls toy with the wildlife. Dogs be dogs. She came closer, removed the man's cowboy hat, and had tossed it aside in the surrounding grass that near matched its color, then took his hand and studied his face. She saw blackness beneath his eyes, new lines. He looked older, leaner, harder. The Rottweilers smiled like all dogs smile, doing their best to dilute the concern that lingered behind her careful gaze. The big one licked her hand repeatedly until at last she grinned. Like the man, the woman was no fool. She was the first to feel it in her bones. The dark skies were returning. The man whistled low, drawing her gaze. I won't let it happen again. Danny's with us now. We know everything, he said. Do we? She asked pensively. Only coyotes know everything. It won't start today. Nothing will start until we find him. The thin man kept the cigarette in the corner of his mouth as he took her cold hands in his. Do you think the kid can really do what they say? The woman forced a weak smile. I don't know. All I know is this is our home. I don't want to run again. The man was resolute. They think it's him. She took her hands back, rubbed her protruding belly and squinted, her bright gaze darting over details in the vast forlorn fields. So does Danny. Maybe, maybe not. Either way, we've got at least one more mouth coming on payroll for sure. The man closed his single human eye. I know. Even as he spoke, the bionic vid orb in his opposite eye socket mechanically scanned the far horizon with a lifeless shine. No one's going to harm my little girl. He traced a finger down the back of her hand. Either of them. She turned away. Don't. I'll cry. I've peeked twice this morning already. She smacked her palms practically on her rump. There's work to be done. I'm not going to waste my time out here in a heat bubble watching the wind blow. She looked down at the Rottweilers. Your daddy's cray-cray. The smaller dog rolled over and yipped in agreement. The man sighed. I promise to paying as soon as I know. If these humdroids get much closer, the dolphins are going to release the deer. The woman was already walking away down the hill. The Rottweilers watched her leave with obvious dismay. Her bright blonde hair flowed behind her like trails of November smoke. She said the words over her shoulder without looking back. I hope it doesn't come to releasing the deer. I really, really hope that. Fragmented Remains from the Cloud Diary of Doxon Julius Abner, March 2077, five years, seven months before event. The Hadassah system's maximum output is 6,000 megawatts an hour. Time compresses in the core room. 24 hours seems to pass in seconds. Conclusion. In terms of human psychology, the manipulation of linear time is no more than a parlor trick. Religion, paranormal experience, shamanic breathwork, astrology, all 
illusions turn to reality by virtue of our irresistible need for something greater in which to believe. Gravity, evolution, thermodynamics too. By contrast, each an empirically measurable law substantiated by quantum mechanics, like the spooling of a gravitemporal fusion matrix. Yet our feeble minds flood with doubt the moment perception is manipulated. People's behavior is far less affected by the actual laws of physics than it is by the expectation of what those laws mean to our individual lives. Physics lesson number one, there are no individuals. After Hugo installed the artwork, he and the Israeli departed. It was then, and only then, that I played the Black Danube. I waltzed alone. The dolphin stared at me from the far side of the glass, thinking, pathetic, emotionally distracted humanoid fresh on your feet from the tree limbs. I know that's what she was thinking, because she told me. I've left the old farm's original wind turbine in place for appearances. Along with the solar array, whatever flies over will scan a standard generator. From the sky, we appears a registered specialty micro-plantation. Zucchini and watermelons in the summer, field pumpkins in autumn. Inspectors, human and robotic alike, now welcome. Both 2,000-liter fractionating columns are now on stream. 26,000-liter monthly output. The Salina distributors can dilute that into another 180,000 liters. No one's missing water from a half-kilometer-wide river. Output is now only limited by manpower, ingenuity, and time. Regarding manpower security specifically, I hired the individual referenced earlier. Gathering intel on this one, no easy task. William Thomas Angevine, 27 years old. He's a quiet cowboy drifter, body tech-free, one of the 7%. An examination of known hollow history shows the only device he's ever owned is a standard 2.5D hollow tab, free 50 gig down, one up citizen account. For the last three years, Angevine was a trail guide at Cyberstock, the 5,000 acre cyborg hunting preserve outside Enid, Oklahoma. Unlike the hunting ranges on Luna, Cyberstock is a laser contact only preserve. The animals still go dark instantly when shot tumbling where and how they fall to the delight of patrons. None are getting ripped apart by harpoons, though, so there's that. Employment records indicate Angevine has a strong experience correlation with Borgs. A colleague is quoted, Bill whispers to them, end quote. And before the last three years? Maybe a mystery to be solved another day. So, how did I come to acquire this drifter? Here's the rest of what is known. Angevine is a high-functioning amnesiac, the result of a beating at the hands of Enid Cened agents. He retains his sense of identity, but has turned his back on whatever life he lived before his mother's murder. That was six weeks hence. Mother, a Marilyn Angevine, owned a Jane Bev convenience float-through. She also scanned a little shine on the side. Angevine kept an apartment in the back, along with a small kennel for his organic short-haired pointers. Angevine was at work, leading a hunt. An alcohol transaction at the float-through went south. Marilyn Angevine is found dead. Uncoated sonic shotgun blast to the head pulverized the bones of her face. Suspects escape. The case is given low priority because the woman was pre-tagged black market affiliate. Translation, the murder will never be solved. Understandably, drowning his sorrows, Angevine seeks out a speakeasy and is stopped by three CNED agents as he is stumbling home down an alley. 
angevine resists, is beaten unconscious, inducing aforementioned amnesia. Before succumbing to the attack, Angevine blinded one of the agents with his thumb and fractured the man's wrist. In retribution, the other agents hogtied him, threw him into the back of their hove truck, and floated him to his mother's shuttered Janebev shop. Once there, the agents sat Angevine up in the bed of the hove truck, broke an aerosol stim pack under his nose, and made him watch as they burned his mother's store and Angevine's apartment to the ground with all his dogs and guns still locked inside. Then they arrested him. Per federal benevolence guidelines, overcrowding at B-Mod hospitals is not permitted. Accordingly, Angevine was transferred to the next closest federal facility, Greystone Behavioral here in Lawrence. That is how I came to acquire this drifter. I'm afraid the memories that Mr. William Angevine has left are none too pleasant. All the same, he is willing, doesn't ask questions. He also displays transhuman abilities with a rifle. But of greatest import, I believe he has the ability to tether. Tricyclic summit theory. It is possible. Dolphinkind know it. Marvin Adler died for it. Joan will make the final determination. Though I can already say with certainty, from a glance behind his eyes, the man is no white mole. He comes from the motel in the morning. On a more practical note, Hugo and I must soon float to the Israeli's warehouse and allocate a flat of potato pat Unscheduled hardware distract. Data compromise. Initiate backup. Dot .exe for reintegration format. Loss. 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 This concludes Chapter 1.2 of The Eighteenth Shadow. Phase 1, Dawn of the Courtesan. Please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com to sign up for the 18th Shadow mailing list. On johnleegraftonbooks.com, you can also download the free digital box set containing the first three books in the six-part series. The free box set is available in Kindle format as well as Smashwords, Kobo, and Barnes & Noble Nook. Remember, citizens... Kindle isn't just a thing. It's a free app you can put on your phone to start reading the 18th Shadow box set today. Prefer a paperback like it's 1981? Visit Prospero's Books at 1800 West 39th Street in Kansas City, Missouri, where every phase of the 18th Shadow is available built of glue, ink, and compressed dead trees, the way books were meant to be read by real North Americans. Until next time, this is your author and narrator. John Lee Grafton, reminding you to spay and neuter your pets. And remember, if it's not cannabis, kids, don't smoke it. This has been a public service announcement of the 18th Shadow Radio. For more information, please visit johnleegraftonbooks.com.